Begin reading in verse 6, and I'll conclude in verse 14. Joshua chapter 14, verses 6 through 14. Joshua chapter 14, beginning at verse 6. Then the sons of Judah drew near to Joshua in Gilgad, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, a Kizanite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought word back to him as it was, underline this in your Bible, in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear, but I followed the Lord my God fully, underline it in your Bible. And behold, now the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years from the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness and now behold, underline this, I am 85 years old today. I am still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. And my strength was then, as my strength was then, so my strength is now. Check this out at 85. For war and for going out and coming in. Now then, give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that the Anakim were there, or the Amalekites, with great fortified cities, perhaps the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out as the Lord has spoken. So Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb until this day because he fully followed the God of Israel. Amen. You may be seated. As this conversation begins, it appears to me that as verse 6 opens, some of the sons of Judah posed inadvertently that not written in the text, but my spiritual imagination suggests after watching Joshua prescribe this inherited space called Hebron, to Caleb, and at the age of 85, listening to the language in which Caleb is using, they may have wondered and asked the question, Caleb, how did you get this space? How were you given such favor by Joshua to inherit this space 
and no one else did. And I want to talk this morning with the belief that Caleb may have responded by saying, my thinking got me this blessing. And this is not the beginning of the story. This is the end of the story. And by the end of the story, I mean this is the reward for Caleb's right thinking. This is the outcome to which God rewards Caleb for not permitting other people to influence his thinking. This is the blessing that Caleb says, if it hadn't been for the right thinking, I would not have endured, nor would I have been able to experience this blessing that I'm walking in today. Because we were talking this year about growing you so that you have something to glow about so that in return you will see the necessity of giving whether it's giving monetarily or whether it's giving in your contribution by gifts and talents and by a willingness to go I got to start with growing you the first place I want to grow you is in your mind I got to work on your mind because that's where everything else is going to stem from and so I'm working with the roots of this Chinese proverbs that speaks greatly to what I'm trying to do this year at Great Little Zion. If you want one year of prosperity, grow grain. If you want 10 years of prosperity, grow trees. But if you want a hundred years of prosperity, grow people. And I'm trying to grow you because hundred years from now, it's my prayer that not only would this church still be standing, but all of us in one form or another will be written in the annals of its history. They will be able to point to year 2020 and look at how the church flourished and they may recognize that there are no additional assets, no more buildings, but the people grew and they can look at how the ministries are affected and they can see that something happened within the people that caused them to have to grow and they grew to a point where they knew that if their minds changed and they started thinking correctly that something tremendous would happen in their life. When we cut to this idea of growth, would you do me a favor, let this statement be the guide of your discussion when you talk about growth. Here it is. Our thoughts set the pace for our lives. That's profound. Our thoughts set the pace for our lives. No matter how much God made available to us in the word, our thought patterns will determine the degree of personal success and prosperity we achieve. You can have all the word in the world, but how do you perceive and think about 
the word. So we're talking about mind renewal. Mind renewal. Now, the question that looms over the text is, what made Caleb such a standout? Not only was he the standout alongside Joshua, but, but what made him such a standout where Moses records his story more particularly? As I told you, this is just a reward of Caleb's work, but his real story starts in Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. Why God rewarded Caleb to be the person that he is, you have to look at Numbers chapter 14 and zero in on a single line in verse 24. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 24. Background. God is frustrated, not angry, tired of Israel's resistance to his provision, to his demonstration of protection. And so God decides that he is to deal with Israel right then by a death sentence. Moses intervenes, intercedes, and by Moses' intercession, he delays the death sentence. God doesn't destroy Israel then, but eventually an entire generation dies in the wilderness. And the only two survivors were Joshua and Caleb. But it's interesting that Moses would point out in the text in Numbers 14 that Joshua, I mean that uh, Caleb was something different. And listen to the text. Verse 20 says, the Lord has said, Numbers chapter 14, I have pardoned them. In fact, Moses says, Lord, you've got to forgive them of their sin. They made a big mistake. And God says, I tell you what, because you're intervening, I'm, I'm going to forgive them. But watch what he says. But indeed, as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Surely all the men who have seen my glory and seen my signs, which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not listened to my voice, shall by no means, here it is, here's their judgment. And I want to talk about how powerful knowledge is and how you are influenced by knowledge and what you do with it. Listen to what God says. Because they decided not to believe me, verse 23, shall by no means see the land which I swore to their fathers. Nor shall any of them who spurred me see it. But my, my servant Caleb, here, here's the line. Here's the sermon is built around this entire line right here. My servant Caleb, because he had a different spirit and has followed me fully, I'll bring him into the land which he's going to enter and his descendants shall possess it. 
I'm trying to tell you how you think about God's word will very well determine not only how you're blessed, but it might determine how your descendants are blessed. That's why I'm talking about this mind renewal thing because this mind renewal sets the stage for mental mind development, mind progression. You know Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and separate with God, which is your reasonable servant. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, transitioned by the renewing of your mind. Ephesians 4, verse 22, 23, and 24 talks about not only renewing your mind, but it uses a different word, says Paul, renewing the spirit of your mind. And remember what Moses says that God says about that Caleb, Caleb is a man with a different kind of spirit. In other words, 12 spies Moses sends to check out the land. Twelve spies, and you know the story, only two of them came back with a good report. Some of us are defeated because, before we even start because we've allowed the wrong thing to dictate our thinking. One dimension of thinking enhancement for growth is self-perception. How you see yourself, how you see you, how you habitually view yourself, view your life, view your being, view your challenges. And the key term is habitual, consistency, over and over again on the regular. I'll give you an example. Excellence is a philosophy. That's what excellence is. It's a philosophical construct in reference to how do I want a habit or action to be behavior to follow but I also realize that in order for me to learn about excellence I have to constantly and habitually be exposed to excellence I gotta be around excellence if I want to understand what excellence is I have to habitually expose myself to excellence expectation if I want to learn how to constantly be in expectation, I got to expose my mind to expecting people. Persons who understand how to live on the lane of expectation. That's a mental directive that I have to habitually expose my mind to. Exposure is key because exposure suggests I am allowing my eyes, my visual nature, permission to allow in to my mind what's going to enhance me. Whether it's expectation, whether it's excellent, it's all revolved around the action of exposure. So I'm also exposed to several different kinds of growth resources development resources because that's what dictates my thought patterns. So those of you who take notes, write this down. There are four of them. The first one is called false knowledge. The second is called fear knowledge. 
The third is called faith knowledge. And the fourth is called future knowledge. Let me tell you again. The first one is called false knowledge. False knowledge is knowledge that I receive habitually but is consistently pessimistic. It's consistently marked by misdirection and it leads to unfruitfulness. It's when I'm always around people, experiences that tells me I'm not this, I can't be that, I never will be, it won't ever happen for me, it's just the way it is. I got to believe in the construct of my life being one that follows God, that's false knowledge. Then there's a second one, fear. Fear knowledge. Fear knowledge says that I'm going to direct you down the lane of failure. In fact, one way to get you to fail is to get you not to act at all, but just to be still. Don't do anything. Don't grow your life at all because you don't have any idea what it means to grow. It's too much work. It'll require too much of a price for you to pay. So I contact you and I bombard you with fear so that you'll never leave your comfort zone. But then there's the third category, which is faith knowledge. And faith knowledge says, everything I look at is a possibility. Now that's a learned behavior. You got to learn that. Everything I see is a possibility. And faith knowledge says, no matter what's going on, I got to be willing, if I have to, to launch out into the deep. That means that even if I'm here at the shore and my blessing is out there in the middle of the ocean, I got to be willing to roll myself out there in the midst of all that's happening because Faith knowledge says, launch out into the deep, even if you don't know how it's going to turn out. One thing is for sure, if you stay where you are, you know what the outcome is going to be. But if I roll out there, I never know what's waiting on me until I get out there. That's faith knowledge. Faith knowledge says I got to be willing to explore new possibilities. Even if it's frightening, even if it's intimidating, I got to be willing to explore them. Here you are in a job level at your job and you see the postings of a job that's another grade higher, but there's something that keeps telling you on one hand, you don't want to do that. You don't know all the work that's involved and you got to work with a whole different set of people and all that training you're going to have to take. You don't want to do that. Just stay where you are, where you already know your job, you already know the people, you already know what you're going to get paid. In fact, it's not worth going up to get the bump up in pay to have to deal with all that drama that's in there. That's false knowledge and that's fear knowledge. But faith says... On the other hand, I don't know all that's involved, but I'm going to find out. 
And faith says, I can already see what I'm going to do with the pay increase. And faith says, so I meet new people. I'm meeting new people who may lead me to greater heights and may open up some other doors. And faith says, God said, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And faith says, God says, you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. So faith says, even if I sign up and don't get the job, at least I signed up. And I made an effort, I launched out, I exposed myself. Because I want to grow mentally. Now, future knowledge says that I'm walking in expectancy with my mouth. Future knowledge says I'm expecting something even though I, I don't see it in reality. But I'm seeing it before it becomes a reality. That's the reason why Walt Disney became the dreamer that he was. Here's the interesting thing. He never saw the dream come to fruition, but man, if he could have, if he could see Disney World now. But he saw it before anybody else saw it. He talked it before he, he was sharing it with the boss he had then and the boss told him there's no way in the world ain't nobody going to come to no theme park and share with no children that's never going to happen but he kept seeing it and kept believing it and when he purchased that first parcel of land didn't get a chance to see it all come to fruition the way that he had dreamed it but it, it was a dream that came to pass because he refused to deny himself future knowledge we call this in the Bible prophetic knowledge and watch this read Numbers 13 and when Moses sends these 12 spies into Canaan Moses is doing so now don't don't run over this don't overlook this because this is a powerful point to be made when we talk about growing our knowledge. I got excited about this thing and I was reading it. This is powerful. When Moses sends the 12 spies, I want to say unbeknowing to them, they were going to engage in a process that would display their growth patterns. They didn't know it mentally, but there was a growth pattern already being established. Moses launches the investigation, and not, notice what Moses does. Uh, turn your Bibles to Numbers 13. Watch this. No, Moses, he launches them into this investigation of details. Now watch this. Details. Watch this. Watch the text. Listen, Numbers 13, and beginning in verse 2, listen to what it says. It says, Moses, the Lord spoke to Moses, send out for yourself men so that they may spy out the land in Canaan, which I'm going to give to the sons of Israel. You shall send a man from each of their father's tribe, everyone a leader among them. Now drop to verse 17. Verse 17 says, when Moses sent the spies out, listen to what he says. See what the land is like. 
whether the people who live in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, how is the land in which they live? Is it good or bad? How are the cities in which they live? Are they like open camps or fortifications? And how is the land? Is it fat or is it lean? Are there trees in it or not? Make an effort to get some of the fruit of the land because this was the time in which the grapes were at first ripe. Now watch this. Ten of the spies end up employing, displaying fear knowledge and false knowledge. Two of the spies came back with faith knowledge and future knowledge. But I want you to see how Moses engages this future knowledge. Look what he says. He says, God wants you to take a look at the details of the promised land that he promised your ancestors. And God told Moses, verse 2 and 17, go see what's going to be yours before you even possess it. Shoot, that was shouting dude right there. Y'all missed it. Moses, go see what's yours before you even take possession of it. He tells Moses, go see the promise before it even becomes your possession. Gather specific intel about your future blessing. Isn't that what verse 18, 19 says? Look at it through 20. Look at what it said. Now look at verse 23 and 24. The spies, the spies, they all arrived at a space called the Valley of Eshkol. In this valley were grapes that grew to an enormous size. Now, when you and I go to the grocery store and we pick up grapes, that's generally considered to be a cluster of grapes. If you took the time to count, it would be about 75, maybe 100. Give or take a few. Watch the image. Watch the image. Moses says, bring back evidence. Now look at the text closely. Look at verse 23. They came to the valley of Eshgar and from there cut down a branch with a single cluster. Now remember what I just told you. When we go to the store and get grapes, it's a single cluster. You and I pick it up, put it in a little plastic bag, tie it up, put it in the basket. Watch the story. And they carried it on a pole between two men. If I'm holding a cluster of grapes in my hand at the giant Wegmans wherever in a plastic bag and these jokers is bringing a cluster and it takes two men to carry it on a pole, that tells me God is saying not only are you going to have a blessing but you're going to have an abundant blessing and I want you to see it firsthand before it even takes place man y'all got to see this two men had to carry the cluster of grapes and all God was saying was 
not only are you engaging in future knowledge, one more, but I want you to trust me with your faith knowledge and I'll give you more than you have room enough to contain. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I got plenty of room for my little bag of grapes, the cluster that I bring from the grocery store. But what about a pole loaded with grapes that two people have to bring back. See, to understand this, you gotta have imagery. That's why I told you, when you talk about mind growing, you gotta see what you don't see. And I'm trying to imagine how in the world does two men carry clusters of grapes? How big were those grapes? Have we had that much of an environmental change? Where what once took two men to carry, now one can carry with a single hand. And God is making clear, I want to give you so much. In fact, it's all yours. All you have to do is engage faith knowledge and future knowledge, and it's all yours. God is visually expanding their mind. That's all he's doing. Growing them by embracing the principle, you were born to taste the grapes. Born to enjoy royalty and the blessing and benefit of God. In fact, I honestly believe that God says you have an instinct for improvement. You got a motivation for increase. Something on the inside of you generates that energy toward growth. Don't kill it and don't negotiate with God. Only fools negotiate with the giver. How are you gonna negotiate with somebody who's giving you something? And Moses is trying to tell us, all of you stand in the potential of growth mentally. God's trying to give it to you, but you keep trying to negotiate. Don't negotiate with God. Visualize the grapes, Zion. So you know how I see grapes? So every pew that don't have a person, I see a grape. I got to visualize the grape because if you can't see the grape in your mind, you can't see it in your future. And that's what God was trying to tell those spies. When you go in, see your future. It's right there before you. In fact, I'm so good at what I do and I love you so much, I'm going to let you taste it and I'm going to let you touch it. I'm going to let you handle it before you even possess the land. That's what makes giving so powerful because God says, I'm going to let you keep the 90. You can touch it, feel it, and be blessed with it. All you got to do is learn to give in the tithe and it shall be given unto you. Your thinking is crucial. Your visualization is critical to your growth. The woman who had the issue of blood, Mark 5, 28, simply says, and I think she saw it in her mind before she saw it in her body, if I could just touch. She saw it in her mind. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. It happened in her mind before it happened in her body. And God gave those 12 men the ability to taste and to touch the blessing as a sample. That's all it was, a of what you got in store. Here's a principle, remember this. Vision is a picture of your preferable future over your present predicament. 
Listen to this. Vision is a picture of your preferable future over your present predicament. And no matter how dark, and this is what I think God was trying to convey to the spies through Moses and now, no one caught it but Joshua and Caleb. And Caleb caught it because God says Caleb had a different spirit. And I'm trying to get you to get a different spirit in your mindset. Forget fear knowledge and forget false knowledge and take up. Get a relationship, fall in love with faith knowledge and future knowledge. Here it is. All 12, watch this. Why is it important? All 12 men were exposed to the same predicament. They saw the same land, saw the same grapes. They saw the same visual and they shared in the same 40 days of exploring the land. However, some of them were captivated, at least the 10, by fear knowledge and false knowledge. And here's what it did. It stunned, it stifled, and it strangled their growth. And they had the same picture as the other two brothers. For so much to us to understand, remember what we used to always say? Seeing is believing. They saw and didn't believe. Perception is real. They began to describe and reveal their false knowledge and their fear knowledge. Listen to what they said. Verse 31 of chapter 13 of Numbers. We are not able to go up against the people. They are too strong for us. How, how do you say that? When God told you, I'm going to give you the land. I just want you to go and see what's in there so you know what you're dealing with. Fear knowledge. So they gave a bad report, says the text. They said the land devours, swallows the people, everybody whole, everybody is huge, and alongside them we felt like grasshoppers and they looked down on us as if we were grasshoppers. But nowhere in the text does it suggest that the people in the city looked at them like that. Self-perception. They saw themselves small, which suggested that they had already made a deposit on failure. Already decided that we were going to fail. So we're going to let that be known right up in the front. And God said, you don't even know it, but you allow fear and failure to suffocate you out of your victory. Rebellion against the promise, against the presence, and against the power of God brought those 10 spies, says chapter 14, verse 11, a death sentence. And Moses intercede, even though his intercession helped delayed, it didn't deny the death sentence. And listen to the words of God about Caleb. He has a different spirit. Now that different spirit suggested that Caleb saw himself and he saw God different than the ten spies. In fact, his greatest asset was his mind growth 
in the area of faith and future thinking. Caleb saw himself on a growth journey that elevated his confidence in the promise of God and attempts to warn the people to think differently about what God has said. How do I know that? Listen to what the text says, Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. Caleb, after listening to the report from the 10 spies, says the Bible, who troubled the people. And I think he, they troubled him because they were saying, wait a minute now, I thought God said that we were going to be victorious in this thing. And these jokers come back. Why? Because, go back and read earlier, they were leaders. Don't let that go over your head. Because I'm here to tell you, greater Luzon leaders, those of us who serve in leadership, if we don't see Nobody else is going to see. Now, I think that's an that's a awesome responsibility because it, it, it sounds almost as if if I can't see and I fail, then that means that the people are going to not see and fail, but that means that their success depends on my vision. Now, that sounds unfair to me, but, but the reality is, says James, be not many teachers for you shall be judged with greater strictness. But it simply means, hey, you want to lead? Then I need for you to be a visual person. And you got to be a person who's willing to take the punches of what it means to be a visionary leader. And remember, listen, here it is, I Remember, leaders, those of us who are deacons, trustees, ministry leaders, if you come back talking negativity, it's going to spill out into the congregation. That's the investment that people have in leadership. See, that's the little point people overlook when it says, God says, I want you to choose out 12 men, but they got to be leaders among their tribe. Which also says to us that not everybody in leadership is a visionary leader. But that doesn't mean it can't grow. It doesn't mean you can't replace that negativity with that which is positive and constructive. And that's what it says. They bring back such a negative report, but here come Caleb. Verse 30 of chapter 13 says, Caleb quieted the people. That meant that Caleb watched his words and made sure he said the right thing at a very critical moment because he knew if I say the wrong thing, this is going to send everybody left because they're already drifting left. And if I say the wrong thing, it's going to increase the, motiva the motivation, the momentum in the crowd. But look what the text says, verse 30. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses, the pastor, which also suggests that the, the leadership in terms of understanding vision doesn't always just come from the pastor, but it comes from those leaders who serve with the pastor. You got that? Yeah, see, because it's a sad thing for the pastor to have a vision and then none of the leaders catch the vision. I told you it's a new day. I'm going to find out if you know it or not. Trust me, as we move through the year, I'm going to find out. I'm going to push you. Look what it says. It says, Caleb cried the people before Moses and said, we should by all means go up 
take possession, we shall surely overcome it. Caleb had a different spirit. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go against this people for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report saying that the land which they have gone spied out is a land that devoured its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are as men of great size and we look like grasshoppers in our own sight and even in their sight. If you got a small visual of yourself, then you're going to display small visual behavior. Here's the tragedy. And I'm almost done. False knowledge and fearful knowledge was the death of not only those 10, but an entire generation. Read chapter 14, verse 36, and listen to what the word of God says. As for the men whom Moses sent out to spy out the land, who returned and made the congregation grumble against him by bringing back a bad report concerning the land, even those men who brought out the very bad report died by a plague before the Lord. But Joshua and Caleb remained alive out of those who went to spy. Now, go back to Joshua chapter 14, then we're done. Listen to what the text says. Pastor, what are you really trying to tell us? Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Write this down. Mind expansion causes life expansion. Mind expansion causes life expansion. Caleb said what made the difference in his life was that he refused to let their story dictate what his story would be 45 years ago. Now here's what you got to catch. It's 45 years from Numbers 13 to now in Joshua 14. 45 years Caleb has been walking with God and has been working with future vision and has been working by faith in his life. And as a result of his faithfulness, he not only got to come in with a new generation. Remember I told you about generational shifts and generational worship. Now Caleb and Joshua get to worship and fellowship with an entire new generation. That's my fear for some of us who are locked on complacency. You're going to mess around and die right where you are instead of reaching out to embrace these young folk and watch that transition take place so that you can watch the church flourish. And whenever it comes time for me to lie down in my sleep, I can do so happily knowing that there's someone else who can take the mantle. A nation died because they refused to trust God's vision. Joshua and Caleb took a hold of what it has, and Caleb told them, when you talk about my growth, when you talk about this space now that I occupy, it was my thinking that got me this blessing. And my mind expansion caused my life to expand. 
I'm going to give you two quick things and I'm done because there's more, but we don't have time. Here's the first one. It expanded because of self-direction. I made the initiative, says Caleb, to grow and to pay attention and to pay the price and to formulate my goals and to identify my resources and to seek learning. Caleb said, it was on me, not on anybody else, on me to learn about Yahweh and his promises. Caleb knew that when I listened to the report of those 10 spies, that they had not learned of Yahweh. And so what did he do? I decided that I wasn't going to let them influence my thought patterns. I'm going to learn on my own. Now, 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us, be diligent, one translation. But be not ashamed, says Paul to Timothy, of rightly dividing the word of truth. Ain't nothing wrong with learning the scripture. Ain't nothing wrong with learning the principles of God. In fact, Caleb made it clear, I would not allow the wisdom of the ten to speak into my life. Instead, I let the voice of God be my reason. I'm self directed by way of taking the initiative I realize I gotta grow we talk about this word excellence in fact I'm gonna stop there we talk about this word excellence here's something to consider um, because I'm a basketball fan I like, I like basketball the, uh, the legendary Rick Barry always shot in the 90 plus percentile with his free throws because when practice was over, Rick Barry hung back and shot an additional 500 free throws. He was perfecting excellence so that when the time came, he could shoot the free throw and there was a good, good chance he wasn't going to miss. In fact, opposing teams knew that when he came down to file a, a player, don't file Rick Barry. Because <laughs> if you put him on the foul line, there's a good chance he's going to make the foul shot. Michael Jordan said one of the reasons why he became the kind of player that he was because when everybody else had left the gym, he began to visualize, watch this, himself Three seconds left in the game, and the game is tied, and the coach assigns for me to take the game-winning shot. And so I practice shooting the game-winning shot so that when it came to me in the real lifetime, there's a good chance I'm going to make the shot. And I'd say somebody who's got, I think, six, is it six NBA championships? I, I, I think it's a good chance he's made a lot of in-the-game shots. In fact, I'm thinking of one when they were playing the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I think the fellow's name was Elo. I think that's right. 
And that poor fella thought for sure he had Michael Jordan stopped. And Michael took that shot. And Michael, so cool when he made it, he turned around and looked at the coach and went like this. <laughs> what are you saying, Pastor? Your mind can never go or be what you desire until you visualize it and then prepare it. You got to prepare. You got to feed your mind with good stuff. You got to see it. And watch this. You got to see it before it becomes a reality. So I was reading this book this, about, about uh, by this millionaire. Uh, he's not really a millionaire. He's a billionaire. Um, and he said this is what he do on the regular. Did it when he was in college and did it when he became a uh, millionaire than billionaire. Everything that he wanted and he did not possess, he'd find it and go see it. So if he wanted a new car, he'd go to the dealership and just look at the car that he want and he'd walk around and he said at least once or twice a week he'd come back and look at it. And then he'd begin to visualize in his mind sitting in the driver's seat. Since he was in California, coming down the freeway with the top leaned back. And he said he started to visualize it, and then when he became the millionaire that he was, he went in there, and he, he didn't even negotiate. He just went in and told him, this is the one I want, this is the color I want, this is it right here. And the guy said, don't, nope, don't need, don't need test drive anything. I already test drove it. I test drove it in my mind. I know exactly what it is. He said when he wanted the house that he wanted, he did, not, he did not have the money to buy, but he went through the neighborhood and he knocked on the door of the owner and explained to the owner, I'm not trying to stalk anything. I'm just envisioning what I want in my life and your house looks like that and I just want to know, would you mind if I just stand here and just look at it? And I'm going to come by about twice a week and just look. And the owner says, well, you got that kind of vision. Do you want to come in and see what's on the inside? He went in the inside and started visualizing, I'm going to have a piano over there, I'm going to have this painting over here, I'm going to have that over there. And do you not know, the owner decided to move overseas. And guess who ended up in the house? Check this out. Remember I told you, don't negotiate with a giver. The market said one thing but the owner gave him a 30% discount because of his vision. See what you don't see. See the grapes, Zion. See the grapes. Be self-directive. Take the initiative so that you can self-develop. Like Rick Barry and Michael Jordan work overtime. Everybody else gone. Everybody else having a good time. There's some truth to that saying. Play hard, work hard. So you work hard so you can play hard later. Y'all know what that means? So everybody else having a good time, I'm out cracking the books. I'm learning my craft. I'm learning what I have to learn to pass this class. They all out partying, having a good time. I mean, they showing up rocking the place. But 10 years later, they still fumbling through the one ads online trying to find a job. And here you are flying high in your entrepreneurship. 
because of a self-directive and a self-development. Final point. My wife told me I was going to do this. Final point. Uh, as a teenager, I loved to play the drums. I grew up playing the drums. I learned how to play them. But my favorite drummer was an inordinary guy. No one would have ever pictured that. His name was Buddy Rich. He was a Caucasian guy, but he had a strange way in which he played the snare drum. Anybody knows when you're playing marching band and stuff, you know, you got to learn how to play snare drum. But I loved Buddy Rich. And I read an article years ago about Buddy Rich, far before I even began to uh, study about him. And the article said that Buddy Rich was asked the question, you know, what makes you so great? How is it that you can play the snare drum so great? And Buddy Rich says one word, practice. Practice. And I talked with a young man, we were talking about music, and uh, he said to me, well, you know, we don't practice as much as we used to. That's not an embraced um, practice anymore to do that in music. So I looked at him and I said, it's not? Well, how do you get better at what you do? And because he didn't have an answer, I shut him down. I said, that's why you need to practice because you don't have an answer. How you gonna get better if you don't practice? Practice, practice, practice. It's like the late Caesar Clark who told us young preachers on one occasion when we asked him, Dr. Clark, what advice would you give to young preachers? He said one word, read. That's all he said, read. And I kept that in my heart all the days of my journey in preaching. Read, read. And right now I try to read at least two books a month, at least because Dr. Clark says when you read, the preacher will forever have a reservoir of resources to work with. And you already know the Bible in your heart. All you got to do is decide what you're going to talk about. And the Holy Spirit got something to work with. And I just want to tell you, when you start feeding your mind with the proper stuff, listen to the right people, read the right works, hang around the right environment, your mind is going to grow. Then your life going to grow. And then you're going to be a whole lot happier than you are right now. Word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. <laughs>